0: Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor in play betting. Watch the action, predict the action, and make your best bet with the latest odds on over 1,000 daily events. 18 plus, be NFL
1: Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday
0: Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refunds. Subscription auto renews. And
2: Chelsea come away again with Newton. Petrescu is to the right.
0: So is Hughes, this is Petrescu, and he's gone for the far corner. Fellow Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day Podcast, I am proud and honoured to introduce this individual on the show today. He made 181 appearances for the club scoring 10 goals and he was part of the Chelsea side that won the FA Cup in 1997, the Coca-Cola Cup in ninety-eight, the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup in ninety-eight, and the UEFA Super Cup in ninety-eight. Plus, he was the club's assistant manager when Chelsea won the 2012 FA Cup final and the small matter of the UEFA Champions League in 2012. He is none other than Mr. Eddie Newton. Eddie, welcome to the Blue Day podcast. How are we?
1: Not bad at all. Thank you for the introduction.
0: My pleasure. Eddie, it's fantastic to have you on. Let's begin the interview, shall we, by talking about the start of your footballing journey and who or what influenced you to become a professional footballer?
1: I think if you talk to most professional footballers, they'll tell you that it's not just one thing that influences you. There's many influences around you. Uh, I think my mum is, my my mum, funny enough, is my biggest influence. You know, the, the biggest support I had as a young kid. Uh, and... Uh, She's done so much things for me at the home and the support that she gave and the love and the nurturing that she gave was is essential. Um, and, uh, you know, the lessons, life lessons that she would talk to me about and how I need to conduct myself as a young man when I go out there and what I need to go for in life. And so she's a big influence. And then, obviously... There's a guy called Barry Leach in my early days playing football. Um, I played a five-a-side team called uh, Red Star. Um, he was a big fan of Red Star Belgrade uh, back in the day when they, were, they, they had a famous team. So he was a massive fan of them. So we called his uh, five-a-side team Red Star and I joined it. And he, he was fantastic. You know, he took us on loads of tournaments, indoor, outdoors, summer festivals. He took us away to Switzerland, and uh, you know we played in tournaments over there. He done a lot. He done a lot for young boys um, growing up where I grew up in Hammersmith and Shepherd's Bush. So, uh, so he was a big influence as well, Um, and a lot of boys around the area uh, that went on. He took me to Fulham as well um, in uh, when I was eight and started playing for Fulham. Uh, Training with Fulham, should I say? Uh, before Chelsea poached me later on. Um, so, so he was a big influence as well, um, really big influence. Um, and I, saw, I suppose as, um, every step of your journey, you, you have different people that step in and give you a different influence. But in the early stages, I would have to say, like my mum and Barry Leach were big, big influences.
0: And who were your idols growing up as a kid watching football?
1: Uh, for me, uh, John Barnes was massive for me. Um, uh, you, you know, not, not, not to, to change the, 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 note of the, the podcast, but back in the day, you know, it was a different environment back then. So, you know, as a young black man growing up in, uh, in football, sometimes you had to witness and hear a lot of things that were not very nice. So, um, seeing people like John Barnes succeed and and excel in that environment, for me, was like massive, you know. Uh, And then um, Brude Hullet, uh, when he was at AC Milan, big, big fan of his and then had the pleasure of playing with him. Uh, And then, obviously, he managed me as well uh, before he left. So, you know, big fan of his as well. Um, So... These were big influences in my life, you know, uh, that, that resonated a note within, within me um, to go and excel, you know.
0: Now, you came through the ranks at Chelsea. What yeah. memories do you have of coming through the youth and then the reserve sides on that time?
1: Uh, school of the hard knocks. <laughs> you, you, you had to be mentally strong to come through Chelsea at that time. Uh everyone had strong characters. Everyone was from a state, from South London State or West London estate, all from hardcore areas. So uh if you didn't have anything about you, you, you would struggle in that environment. You would really. But I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um you know I was a schoolboy, I remember you wouldn't get away with it now. But uh we used to train at Batsey Park. Um and after the, after the training, you know, they would tell you to, you had to run back to Stamford Bridge from from uh, Battersea Park. Um, so, you know, that, that just wouldn't happen nowadays. You couldn't do that with, with the 11, 12-year-olds running back in the middle of the night. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, it just wouldn't happen. So, uh, yeah, different times, different ways of how, how you think. But we grew up very quick. We had to. You had to grow up very quick uh, at Chelsea. Um, then going in I remember as a schoolboy starting to uh, join in with the youth team um, coming in in the daytime and training with the youth team and you know you had to again you had to show that you had a bit about yourself otherwise you would struggle so um, you know obviously I passed the test (laughs) Um, and then uh, you know you go on And I think some of my best times, best moments in football were, you know, as a youth player at Chelsea. I mean, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It was hard. You know, we had to train. We had to go to Stamford Bridge. We had to pack all the kit. Then we had to jump in the van, go to Harleton, unpack the bags and get everything ready for everybody else. Then afterwards, you'd have to clean everything, uh, pack all the kit. Drive back to Stanford Bridge, wash the kit, ready for the next day. Then you had to go upstairs and you had to wash the stand and paint the stands. And oh, it's a nightmare. But what it made you, it made you tougher, mentally tougher. And, in, and as a group, it brought you together. It brought you together. Like, you know, so I remember the, the saying that it was in our youth team. Uh, maybe it's not so prone. To, I, I don't think people may understand it now, but it was like, if one goes in, everybody goes in. Basically, if there's a flight and something happens on the pitch, everyone goes in. No one stands, no one leaves, everyone flies in together. We're all one, we all go in together. So, okay, people nowadays maybe wouldn't understand that, but back in the day, that was how it was.
0: And to further that, when it came to your Debut. It was the last game of the ninety-one, ninety-two season, yeah. and it was away to Everton.
1: Yeah,
0: you you came on and you scored on your debut. I know it was, yeah. a, it was a consolation, but just a couple of things I wanted to sort of ask from that. When did you know you was going to be in the team for that game? And what advice was you given by either your teammates or the gaffer of that day?
1: Uh. <laughs> I was I was uh, Cardiff. I was alone at Cardiff, and uh, uh, we had got to the Welsh Cup final, and we was pushing for promotion uh, in Division Four at the time. Uh, really enjoying it, and really having a good time at Cardiff. Cardiff manager rang Chelsea and said, "Look, we would like to sign him." And I think it was Portfield at the time. It was Port- Ian Portfield. Yeah, he was the manager at the time. He he. Uh, he turned around and said, no chance. Got no chance. In fact, we're going to call him back. Uh, and they said, "What? we've got a cup final. He goes, don't give a damn. We're calling him back. So uh, he, he called me back. He rang me and said, you're coming back. We're, we're playing Everton away last year of the season and you're in the squad. I went, oh, OK. <laughs> so I had to make my way back to London, uh, get my, my my tracksuit and everything for travelling and then made my way to uh, up north, and then uh, a sub obviously. And I was sitting on the bench, I was excited, but I thought, ah, I'm not gonna get on. I, you know, I'm not, there's no chance I'm getting on. So then Ken Moncou got uh, set off, and I went, Oh, okay. And then uh, he looked at me, and I went, No, nah, no, nah, not when we're 10 men down on my debut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you just went you're going on at left back and I went oh my good God on my day you've put me left back I've never played left back in my life so he uh, said go on he said get on enjoy yourself make make it make make the best make, make the best of it just go and make the best of it you know uh, I had Peter Beardsley running at me I had the fullback running at me constantly uh, but Somehow I dealt with it. And, uh, and then fortunately for me, we had, we had a rare break in that game to counter-attack and went down the other end. Ball came to me. I just couldn't think of anything else. I just I just hit it, just smashed it. And then when it went in a goal, like, I just remember turning to the left and all the Chelsea supporters were up there like that, uh, at the top, and like, ran, like, ran over to that corner. And then someone hit me from behind, smashed me from behind on my back and jumped on my back and it was Frank Sinclair. He said, I can't believe you scored on your you. I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, uh, and he was just hugging me so tight, you know what I mean? And uh, obviously me and Frank had grown up together, so hmm. at the club. Um, and uh, we had a tight relationship at the club and, uh, and, and so it he was, he was over the moon for me. So... Yeah, we didn't get the right result, as you said, but you know it was it was nice to get a goal on my debut.
0: And the next season was the beginning of the inaugural Premier League season. That was yeah. there was a lot of hype around it. There was a lot of sort of news outlets sort of discussing it and reporting it. Do you remember Do you remember the hype and the controversy surrounding this change? Because there was a lot of pushback from it at,
1: at the start. Yeah, I remembered it. Uh, I kind of vaguely vaguely remember it. It was like with Sky Sports coming in at the same time and uh, the, the change, it seemed like there was a big change. And uh, as, as you said, there's a big pushback. You know, people don't like change, do they? So, uh, uh, you know, when change comes, there's always going to be resistance. And, uh, you know, I was looking at it and, you know, Sky, you know, for the first time, we're going to have a real dedicated news outlet TV outlet that's going to be showcasing football. So I thought there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Um, I said, I don't know how they're going to feel 24 hours of football constantly. I was like, how are they going to do that? Um, And then, um, but, yeah, I do remember the pushback, but for me, I was all for it. I was all for it. I thought, I think England needed a change at that time. Uh, and if you think about it, if, the, if we didn't make the change that time with the Sky Sports in the Premier League, the Premier League wouldn't be what it is today. English football wouldn't be what it is today. It wouldn't be. You know? So everyone's got to be thankful for the fact that you know, people were brave enough to take it on, uh, go against the grain, because they had a vision and could see what was going on. Uh, and needed to change. We were falling behind. There's no two ways about it. We be falling behind Spain. We were falling behind uh, uh, Italy. We uh, were falling behind, and uh, we needed to do something to change to change that. And uh, and that was what it was. And that's when we started seeing the influx influx of more um, international players. Uh, international managers started coming over as well, and. Uh, it all changed. Tactics in and the, in the, in our game started to change. You know, we were playing more flowing football instead of going from back to front as soon as possible. The English game, in within two or three seasons, had started to change for the better.
0: And during that season, Chelsea had a change of manager. Ian Porterfield was relieved of his duties and David Webb came in on a temporary basis until the end of the season. Was you surprised at this change? And what was your thoughts of David taking over at that time? Uh,
1: surprised? No. Um, I wasn't surprised. I knew Ken Bates wanted someone else. It could, you could feel it, you know. Um, uh, Portfield was a top guy, lovely guy. Uh, worked, loved working in football, but I don't, I think... Uh, without being spiteful to him. I think uh, Ken Bates wanted someone else, uh, maybe someone more high profile, um, I think he was looking for. Dave Webb was obviously just someone to fill the gap until he got what he wanted. Uh, Dave, Dave was proper old school Chelsea. Uh he hadn't changed from the 70s. He was still still that same gruff guy from the 70s. Um, but, I, you know, I liked, I liked David. I thought he was... Uh, maybe I didn't like his tactics and his coaching style and things like that. But as a person, as a, as a manager, you, you didn't mess around with him and he kept things in line and... and uh, and, like, he, he was great to talk to, you know, to, to give a little bit of advice here and there. Um, I I liked like the way he gave advice, you know. He was a strong character. You knew where you stood with him. You know, if he didn't like you, you'd know it. If he liked you, you knew it. It's as simple as that. He's, there's no airs and graces with him. Um, so, but, obviously, he was just a make-weight for the guy that was going to come in.
0: And... That's it. In the summer of 93, Bates brought in Glenn Hoddle to take over the position. What were your thoughts as, of Glenn as, as a coach?
1: I uh, thought, Glenn, uh, so when I was a youth team player, schoolboy, youth team coming through the ranks, you always be, I'd always been coached uh, as a player. So you're getting coached uh, to develop your game and improve as an individual and understand tactics as a group. But it all stopped when I went first in football. I didn't get coached. You know, there was, it was just like everything was based on getting three points and just slight tactics and everything, so on and so forth. Uh, Glenn came in and changed that totally. And I've, I've always said this, and I'll say it again. You know, everyone loves to talk about Mourinho changing the goalposts at Chelsea Football Club. Would you call it the first person that made the revolution at Chelsea Football Club was Glenn Odom. Uh, quite simply, and he doesn't get the he doesn't get the plaudits that he deserves. Uh, that what he done when he came into the club. Um,
0: Is that because of his past with Tottenham and Chelsea fans have that sort of like whether it's right or wrong that stigma about? Oh well, if he's a Tottenham guy, we don't want to associate ourselves with him. Do you think it's because of that or? Something I don't else. I don't I don't
1: know. I no maybe because I don't know. I don't think it was that because I don't I didn't I didn't get that feeling from the Chelsea fans like towards Glenn. I I don't know you may correct me if and say no no I could feel it from the stands but I, I I I didn't I didn't feel that on the pitch that they they were against him or I, I didn't get I didn't get that maybe I was oblivious to everything but uh I didn't feel that but I just think Glenn was so far ahead of his time that people didn't realise what he was doing and didn't appreciate what he was doing. So, for example, uh, but everything that is normal today wasn't normal back then. So, for example, he came in and bought a nutritionist. He brought a monsieur in. Uh, We started to watch our games previous, the game before, and you know, talk about our tactics, what we done done right, what we've done wrong. Um, he made sure that we had breakfast and lunch at the training grounds. Um, so our diet was proper. And the diet had to be looked at and you had to eat properly. Um, what else did he do? Uh, the tactics, the tactics that he brought, he changed the formation. We went to a three three five two 5 2 formation, which no one played in England. No one. And he made me play as a number six. Now, no one knew what holding midfielder number six was. No one. So, like at first, everyone was like, didn't know what I'd done. They didn't understand it at all because he had brought that system from Europe. And in England, it was usually 4-4-2, uh, back to front. Two midfielders are just sharing the role of going up. One goes up, one stays back. So, totally new tactics. Uh So this is what we're saying, you know, He and and we didn't go back to front, we passed, and he he talked to his players, he talked to the fans on his notes, we're not going to change, because we got booed about our first 10 10 games. We got booed uh, by the Chelsea fans. They didn't know what they were watching and they didn't like what they were watching. And then because of Glenn educating and constantly talking through his notes and talking in his interviews and everything, this is our style. Look, look how we're keeping the ball. You know, we want to play a more entertaining game and we'll win doing it. And slowly but surely he educated the Chelsea fans and they started. And I remember we played, I think we played Middlesbrough at home. And we beat him 5-0. Um, and I remember we played like a really good brand of passing and like in a like about 45 second spell, which is keeping the ball. And we Nothing happened.
0: Say, Gavin Peacock was at the game he scored the hat trick in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
1: So nothing happened after that 45 minute uh 45 second of keeping possession. But the the Chelsea fans started clapping us, and I was like, Oh, what happened there? <laughs> 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 what, what they clapped us. <laughs> so they slowly started to get it and go, Okay, and then there's an appreciation of what we were doing that understood what was going because. Glenn had explained it to them, and then after that, uh, Glenn started signing players that Chelsea would have never signed before. And like I started going, like Sparky came in. I went, picking you know, up Sparky. I went, like, we signed Mark Hughes. And like we signed, signed Mark Hughes. We signed Rude it Rude Hullet was the one for me because uh, at the top of the you know the cast yeah. is my is my hero. So. One of my idols, like and I was like, I remember I was injured, uh, and so I had to come in early before preseason to get medical attention. I remember me, YZ, and someone else were in the home dressing room, and we're getting treatment. And uh, in between treatment, I was just sitting there, and uh, uh, the boys were playing head tennis, and I was just watching it. And the door opened, and Rudolph walked in. And I just stood and looked, I sat there and just looked at him. And thought, I thought, I, I know this guy. <laughs> like I was just, I was in, I was shocked. I was like, what 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 is he doing here? What is he doing here? And like I looked around and like why is he was cracking up? He goes, Look at your face. And I went, What's he doing here? Like, and he went, he signed, he's with us. I went, Yeah, go on then. He went, nah, he signed, and then Moody comes sat next to me and goes, and introduced himself, and we started talking, and I was just sitting there going, well, how did we get Rude it How did we get him? You know, so, you know, then Frank Le then uh, Dan Patrescu, you know, we're getting players that we wouldn't have been signing before. We just wouldn't have been signing these players before. So, and and to be fair, I've got, I've got to say this as well, before Glenn... I gotta say, I was getting a little bit disillusioned uh, because if you if, if, before in all all of my schoolboy, all the way up to being a professional, I had won everything. I always win, you know. I, I won most of my games. I won most of my tournaments. I won most of. Uh, I got to finals and won most of them. So I'm used to winning. I'm used to winning. I'm used to coming home with a medal or a trophy, you know. And it just stopped. You know I got to first tip level and its just stopped. and now I'm staring relegation in that, I'm like, what is this? You know what I mean? So I, I was getting a little bit disillusioned to be perfectly honest. Um, and then Klein came in and changed that all for me. It really did. I went, ah, oh, thank God, you know, we're getting coached again. We look like we're playing decent football again. We're looking like a team we starting to bring players in. when now we can start competing every game, you know? Uh, and I thought, oh, this is great. This is great. And, you know, I think my love for Chelsea grew again uh, when Glenn came in. It really grew again. And, uh, and that's why I, anyone, when anyone asks me that question, I always have to refer to Glenn as, uh, as the first game changer for me. Well, you
0: cemented your place in midfield, as you say, as, as the number six, until you received a nasty injury after colliding with Kevin Hitchcock, our our very own goalkeeper. Yeah, for, what that, for for those that haven't seen it, what happened and what were your thoughts at the time when you picked up the injury? Did you think that you would be out for as long as you was?
1: Well, uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm a young man and I got a broken leg, so I don't know how long it's going to take. But the doctor said to, me, like, said, and um, you know, look, it's, if there's any good news I can give you, it's the best break you can have. It was a clean snap. It goes, it's, it's easier to, it's easier for the bone to heal. So he said, so you got the best break possible. Uh, so there's a silver lining to every cloud, as they say. So, um. Uh, how it happened? I remember uh, our backline kind of stepped up, and the striker. Um, I saw their striker. I can't remember his name for West Ham, and uh, uh, he um, he had beat off track. I kind of I kind of saw him though, and uh, I got in front of him. I beat into the ball, and I he got frustrated and pushed me. So I had to I had to take another step, and as I took that step. Itchy come flying out. Why on earth he was coming out? I have no idea. I I hammered him afterwards. I said, "What were you doing?" I had that all under control, and all I was going to do, I was literally going to pick my head up and pass the ball back to you. Come out like some muppet and smashed into me. So uh, we had a laugh about it afterwards. The the, the 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 biggest disappointment for me was that uh, Terry Venables had come to watch me in that game. Um, and was basically certifying in that game whether he was going to bring me to, I think the Euros was it? Yeah, uh, it would have been Euro '96. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, it was the Euros, and he wanted maybe to come with the squad. So it was it was the biggest gutter I have ever had because you know that that you know that would have been my first step into mm. you know internet. I've done the twenty ones, but you know. It would have killed me. So, uh, yeah, I was gutted. Did I know it was going to take that long uh, to heal? No, I didn't know. Seven months. uh, uh, I didn't have no complications, but I think Chelsea were erring on the side of caution uh, to bring me back, not to come back too early and have any complications. So just to make sure I came back and I was in the right uh, condition to continue.
0: And it was during that summer of 96 that Glenn left to join the England squad and Rude Hullett became the manager. What did you think at the time of Rude becoming the coach and what was the team's reaction to Glenn leaving?
1: I think the rumours were starting to get too strong to to deny it, basically. So I think we all knew that Glenn was going to go. It was a matter of who was going to take over. I think uh, we're a little bit surprised that uh, Rudi got it because he didn't have no experience of coaching. Um, uh, but, you know, he's got a vast experience at international level and you know, uh, playing in Europe and, uh, you know, all the biggest clubs and he understands pressure and all that. So he took it on uh, in his own <laughs> uh, particular way. You know, Rude, Rude is a very different character um you know Rudy could rub, Rudy could rub you up the wrong way easily or you, could, you you would love him one way or the other there's no middle with Rudy uh so uh, look Rudy Rudy kind of continued what because the duck is kind of like a Dutch philosophy as well what Glenn was doing so Rudy really bought into and just more wanted to continue it but bring maybe different players obviously he brought, Uh, Zolo in as well didn't he so so he brought some players in and I remember having a conversation with Rudy and Rudy just said listen I just want you to continue what you've been doing whilst me and you were playing together you know I want you to just continue what you're doing you know for me you're the rock of the team you're the one that keeps us stable you know we don't look the same when you're not playing in the team Uh, so I just want you to do what you do so he gave me a big uh, vote of confidence and uh, made me feel a million dollars. You know, so you 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 want to you want to play as well as possible when someone goes out and and does that for you. So you know, I, I enjoyed it under Rudy. You know, training was good. Um, there was a what what Rudy was good at was relaxing the team. Uh, you know.
0: Maybe this is not
1: a team talk that some people would find uh, practical or right, but I remember we played Leicester in the in the cup, and before the game away, I know we drew in the end, and like we had to, we had to do the return leg. But before the game, he said, "Look," he goes, "I believe in every single one in here. I believe in this squad. I think this squad is maybe two players away from starting to compete for the league, and then start." Uh, having a journey in the Champions League. Uh, really, I really do. Um, and then he said, and he said, so I'm going to sit on the bench with uh, Rixi, uh smoking my cigar, waiting for you to win the game. Then we get on the coach, go back to London and you go to your nightclubs and enjoy yourself and then I'll see you on Monday. And you just walked out. And you just walked out. And everyone, like half of the room went, what was that? And then, I was like, "That's the best team talk I've ever had in my life." <laughs> <laughs> but it relaxed everybody, you know. It relaxed everybody. Everyone kind of chuckled and this, that, and the other. And then, I think, I think in the f- the first sixty minutes of that game, I think we best played the best football I, I was involved in. I mean, we absolutely popped. Uh, Leicester off the park for the first sixty minutes. Unfortunately, we didn't continue that. We went too up, and I think we just relaxed and got too too uh, above our station, and we got punished for it. Uh, and then, fortunately, we uh, we got the we won the leg and went on. Um, so, but you know, that's how he was as a character, and you either loved him or didn't.
0: Well, we got to the final that season, and after beating Liverpool in the earlier round, and then we beat Wimbledon in the semi-final. You were part of that squad. What was the dressing room atmosphere like pre-match? And how was it for you, knowing that you had another chance, another crack at being in the FA Cup final at Wembley, considering what happened in 94?
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was big for me. Uh, big for me and Frank, not just me. Uh, so uh Frank, uh, sorry, the dressing room was so much different than 94. Um, you know, had, you know, I was younger. I think I was 22 at the time for the first game, for the first one. And uh, I remember everyone saying, oh, just enjoy yourself. Make sure you enjoy the day because you might not get there again and all that. I would never give that advice to any player in my life ever, would you call it. It's the worst advice ever, would you call it? Uh, it's business. Go there, and the only way you enjoy it is by winning it. Would you call it? Go there, put your game face on, work your nuts off, and do what you have to do to win that game. And afterwards, if you win it, go and enjoy it. Would you call it? Uh, so that's you know. I, you know. I remember those words going from my head in '97, and I said, "Not again, not again." And I remember the change room was dead quiet, dead quiet. I mean, totally different from 94. Everyone was, the focus was, was unbelievable. It's just, everyone was like, ready to go to war. And uh, Rudy was going, I love it, gentlemen. The calm before the storm. I love it. I can feel the atmosphere. It's not nerves. It's not nerves. It's the calm before the storm. And, uh, and he was right. He was right, you know, uh, he was and uh, obviously we got off to the best start possible with Robbie's goal and then I finished it off uh, scoring a goal and you know, then demons in the cupboard were just chucked clean out, you know, so...
0: Well, I was going to say, what a moment that must have been for you. It was your first goal in 18 months and considering the injury you picked up sort of earlier on, sort of that period that must have been a huge relief for you psychologically and even professionally as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it was a big, big, big goal. Listen, Chelsea's my... Uh, there's no... Everyone knows Chelsea's my my club. You know, I grew up at the club. I was at, I'd been at Chelsea from 20... Uh, sorry, from 12. Uh, and, and, like, grew up through the club. It's my second home. Um, and uh, so to score a goal... Club that you grew up at in the FA Cup final, which was much bigger back then than it is now. But yeah. Yeah. you know, it was much bigger, uh, and to score a goal there, it was massive. It's absolutely massive. So, uh, and I remember again, Frank running over to me and saying, "I can't believe you just scored in the cup final!" Because <laughs> 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 I can't believe you've done that. <laughs> we started laughing. So uh, no, it, and you know, people don't know maybe you don't see it, but. Maybe some people do see it, but Frank, with the genuine love in him, that so happy for me to score. You know, there was no jealousy, there was no nothing. It was just pure. You know, we've grown up together, we've seen a lot together, and now you're, glad you're going to score in a cup final, and he come with all that. You know, so happy, and obviously he went and done it in the the next one in the next cup final. And uh, yes. he said, anything you can do, my friend, I can do as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Can you believe it's been 25 years? No, oh, I can't. But then again, when I look in the mirror and I see the grey hairs with my chin, then maybe, yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> Just
0: out of interest, I did, I, I asked this to Hitchy as well. Which cup final song did you prefer? The 94 or the 97? I hated all of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is so not me that. It's so so not me. I just went along with it because I didn't want to spoil the hype, but it's so not me.
0: That's why you weren't standing at the front then. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I was doing everything
1: to get away from him. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. I want to talk about sort of the next season and beyond. We were back in Europe and one particular game I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on because you played in that was against Tromso away. That oh must have been God. an experience. <laughs> was it?
1: Was it? Uh, like at the beginning of the game, it was, it was on, it was off. The, 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 was like the snow was going to come in. So for this went full stop. No, this game is going to go on. No matter what happens, it's going on. So we had to go out there. And uh, I remember warming up. I thought, it's not that bad. Like when it was warming up, I thought, I think we can get away with this. It's not too bad. Went in, and then we started playing the first half, and then he started to come in. And I remember, I remember Rudy on the sideline told me a funny story. He told me a great story. Rudy was losing his, his he was losing his head on the sideline. He was going to the ref. We can't even see the lines on the pitch. We can't see nothing. We can't play. You have to call the game off. And the referee line, line I went, the game ain't being called off. So he was going nuts on the sideline. And then he turned around and he tried to kick something. And I think he kicked a big lump of ice. (laughs) Nearly broke his foot. (laughs) And he started jumping around and everyone was cracking up on the bench. uh, Because he'd done that. And then they stopped the game, if you remember, and they, they brought out brushes to sweep the pitch yeah. so we could see the lines. <laughs> and like, I was like, it was unbelievable. It, I, I think, the, you know, it was surreal the whole game because I was actually looking in the corner and there was loads of Chelsea fans in the corner. I went, how did you not come over here? <laughs> it was unbelievable. All the Chelsea fans are in the corner. They're sweeping the pitch. The snows coming in. It was. It was. It was horrendous. What a night, man! I just wanted. I wanted it to be over. Uh, we got away. We lost. Did we lose yeah, three two. We lost three two. Yeah, we lost three two on the night. Uh, and it Luca. He scored the two goals, didn't he? That's right. He scored yeah. two goals for us. So uh, uh, yeah, I remember. I remember what a night. And I, I remember this is the only thing I really remember about the night. I remember it was a blizzard and the blizzard was coming towards me. So you couldn't see properly. So I'm running forward, trying to pick up, you know, like bodies where the ball, and I couldn't see nothing. And the ball hit me on the head as I was running. And someone went, great energy. And I went, what? (laughs) I didn't know nothing about it. (laughs) It was unbelievable. Unsighted. couldn't. uh, It was the worst game ever. I was so glad. 3-2. Let's
0: go home. That was it. Done. Well, we got through. We beat them in the second leg at Stamford Bridge. So that made it all the difference. But of February of 98, Rude Hullet left in controversial circumstances. Yeah. And Viali took over from from Hullet. What was your take on the decision at the time? And looking back, do you think the change had an effect in, in the dressing room?
1: Yeah, I think it had an effect. Uh, so, somewhat positive, somewhat negative. Uh, I think, I think a lot. A lot of people were a little bit discombobulated the fact that Rudy got the sack um, because we were in two. We were in two quarter two quarterfinals, was it at the time? We was in two quarterfinals and we was about fourth or fifth in the league. I, 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 I can't remember. I don't. We was quite high up in the league. It was, season. yeah, yeah. So. For a young manager, you've got to say, wow, he's doing well. Anyone looking at that right in this present moment, uh, for any young manager, would say, wow. And anyone getting sacked at that present moment, would, everyone would have been a, a little bit, why what was that all about? Um, so, uh, yeah, um, everyone was a little bit disgruntled. I remember it vividly, to be honest with you. I was walking down to the medical room. I had to see the physio and um, he kind of barged past me out of his office and just like went out. And, like, I was like, what's that all about? You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Like barging past me like that. Uh, and uh, I was a bit miffed by his uh, what he'd done. I didn't know nothing about it at the time. And then the rumor started coming in that he had been sacked. And I went, yeah, whatever. How can he be sacked? What do you call it we're in two quarter quarter-finals and like fourth or fifth in the league. What are you on about? And uh then the rumors were even stronger and then then obviously it was made the announcement was made. Uh and then Luca was taking Luca took over and again it was a little bit some in the dressing room was like in favor, some were a little bit mm, not not too sure. Um so uh Hard for Luca as well because you know when you you made those alliances like as a player, player to player, going out to dinner and everything with other players, and you got relationships, and then all of a sudden you have to make decisions whether they're playing or not. Very difficult, very difficult. So, uh, so it was, yeah, it was it was a difficult, not difficult, yeah. I, I think it was a difficult transition to be honest with you. I think he uh, took it full on board and. I think he learned some lessons. He wanted to go full Italian on everybody and it, it just wouldn't work with us, you know. And uh, I think he can't kind of calm down um, and, like, try to implement stuff that he had learned at Juve. Um, but at the same time, he had to understand that there's a big British contingent of players that, you know, and different players from all different parts of the world that don't want to do that that stringent, Italian way of, you know, just tactics and running, tactics and running. You know, it it would have bored the hell out of everybody. So, uh, to be fair, he he, he kind of understood, which helped him being a player and understanding uh, being on that side of the fence. Um, But you know, he went on. You know, okay, people say, oh, he done really well, but you know, I have to say that was most of Rudy's work that he went on to take a, take on and, uh, and and win, you know. Yeah, he got us over the line and we won, but Rudy had done all the hard work, put in all the players, da, 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 got us to that point and then he takes on and gets all the applaudings at the end. So, a little bit, in my eyes, a little bit, I uh, was like, mm, didn't sit well with me, to be honest with you. Uh... Well, we won the League Cup
0: against Middlesbrough in extra time it was about, I think, a month later from that decision. It was your second trophy won at Wembley in the in this space of one year. What what was your memories of that day? Uh, I
1: remember Gaza was playing. I, I'd been signed for Middlesbrough just before that game. Uh. And that was all the big hype that Gaza was going to be involved in the game and everything. They signed him last minute, uh, especially for the game to get him ready for this game. Uh, I just remember there was a big a lot of hype about that, but uh, I think we controlled the game from start to, to, to finish, to be honest with you. Uh, and then I remember during the game, uh, Gaza came on in the second half and wise, he looked at me. I remember Wise looking at me and he goes, listen, if you get if I get a pass, roll it just between me and Gaza, I'm gonna take him out. And if I get a pass, I'm gonna roll it between you and Gaza, and you take him out. One of us has got to take him out. He ain't getting on this. He's, we we have to take him out clean. <laughs> I started laughing, I said okay, okay, he said don't pass it to my feet pass it in front of me so I can come through come through so uh, (laughs) um, but you know that's wise, you know always a competitor to the end and uh, what do you call it Um, you know we snuffed Gazza out, stopped him like trying to get into the game and controlled it and then obviously Frank had scored his goal and celebrated with him because, he, you know, he deserved it as well as as, as what I did as well. So am really pleased for him. Massive, massive uh, smile on his face. <laughs> I <remember. laughs> yeah, all night long as well. I couldn't get that smile off his face. But um, yeah, I just feel that it was, I think we had grown so much as a club, as a team between the two cup finals and the first cup final was a, like to and fro a little bit and then we got on top and then in the end we went on to win but this this one is like we had gone onto another planet and we were just so much more dominant i felt during the game that that is what i got from it it actually made it quite a boring cup final uh, if i think for the neutral because i think we were a little bit too dominant in that game
0: and later on that season, it, it was a remarkable season for Chelsea. Certainly, certainly wasn't a quiet one. We reached the Cup Winners' Cup final, where we would play Stuttgart. You started the game on the bench. Was you disappointed with this decision? Did you find out before the day,
1: or was you told on the day of this decision? And no, you told and, on the day, but you can't. Okay, but you can feel it anyway. You can feel it coming. You know with the tactics and how everyone's talking, you can you can feel it and see it. Uh so I knew it was coming. Um well obviously disappointed and, and gutted because I think I played nearly every game up until until uh, into the final so I was like I don't know where that came from. But Luca had that way where he could change his mind in a blink of an eye. He could he could go in a different direction in a blink of an eye. So uh yeah, I was gutted, to be honest with you. And then, um, but then, obviously, he dropped Zola as well for the game. Like, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's like, what is going on? Um, anyway, so he, he made his decisions. And, uh, and then he, when we went 1-0 up, uh, he put me and Zola on at the same time. I remember we came on at the end. So, look, got to play in the final, got to play in the final, done a lot to get there as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, enjoyed a little bit of it. I would have liked to enjoyed a bit more, but enjoyed a bit of the cup final. So, but it was good. It was good. You know,
0: it was another trophy lifted. Was there an expectation from the team that they can now push on to try and challenge for the league championship after that season?
1: Yeah, I think we started. The talk was we need to start challenging ourselves, not to just be a cup, to be seen as a cup side. You know. You know, we need to start really, we need to break the stranglehold of the the dominant Northern clubs, Liverpool, Manchester United. You know, we had to, wanted to break that dominance. We knew we was getting under their skin anyway, because there's a lot of talk about our style of football, a lot of talk about winning trophies, about becoming more dominant in the league. uh, And, it was uh, we could feel it was irking them, they they didn't like it, and uh which made it even more pleasing yeah. but um yeah, you know, as many a time that we went up to man Old Trafford and turned them over, you know, yeah. and you know so it was it was coming, it was really coming, so I think as a club, everyone was geared to the league has got to be. Because we never had a mindset like that at Chelsea, it was survival. Uh, hopefully, get a cup run. That was that's all I knew at Chelsea, uh, and all you ever, all you ever heard was about the '70s boys. Mm. So you know, Wisey quite rightly said, "We respect the '70s boys." Of course, we do. You know, they, they, you know, they're legends, and you know what they've done for the club. Fantastic. But now it's our time, and we need to make our name. We need to make our name whilst we're here, you know. And uh, quite rightly said, and that was the big onus on everybody to 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 make inroads into the Champions League, inroads to the league, and that's where we had to start focusing in our mind, I, I suppose.
0: And starting from. That season, the 98-99, was a Super Cup final. Chelsea played Real Madrid. We'd win 1-0. Poyet scored the winner. You was named on the bench for that game. Any particular memories of, of that occasion? I mean, it's not every day you play Real Madrid at that, that period for Chelsea. No, no, yeah. no.
1: I remember the pitch was shocking. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, Monaco's pitch was absolutely shocking. We trained on it the night before and it was just like... It was like my local puck uh it was really bad really bad and you you know you're you're playing a super cup final on the on on that um anyway uh yeah got like you know you you just gagging to play against real madrid you know you're like thinking oh my god but uh no we didn't we didn't manage to get on for that but like you know we won that we won the game with Gus Poyer one nil uh to be honest with you, Real Madrid looked like a shadow of their 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 real selves. They they weren't they weren't up to speed at the time, um, uh, but showed flashes of their brilliance at times. Uh, but we done we done well. We have done really well to win that game, really well. So now it's proud to be part of that. But you know, I could feel my time at Chelsea was coming to an end because my knee my knee was my knee was playing up too much and I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. I couldn't run as quick. I couldn't jump as high. I couldn't turn as sharp. I couldn't do all the things that I was, I knew I could do before. And I had to adapt my whole body to, and when you're 27, 28, it's hard to adapt your body to what you've been doing all your life. So uh, yeah, I knew my time was coming to an end, you know, you know, it was difficult, you know, it's difficult enough to be playing at the top level when you're fit when you're not fit and you're carrying an injury it's really difficult so i stayed in as long as i could and uh, enjoyed it as long as i could and it was it was a really bitter pill to swallow uh, knowing that i had to i had to leave chelsea you know uh, but you know when a doctor tells you that after your last operation that he saved your knee so you can walk and have a healthy life, but if you keep playing on it, you're going to end up in a wheelchair. Uh, <clears throat> when when that was told to me, then you know it was uh, it was what well, you can imagine. You know that you, as a young man, you just that's your life. That's what you do. You know that's how you support your family. That's and then all of a sudden, that's going to be taken away from you. It's very, very, very difficult moment in my life. To be honest with you.
0: And you found first-team opportunities hard to come by that season and you would leave Chelsea to join Birmingham on a free transfer. How did that move come about for you?
1: Uh, just through my agent. You know, you knew, you knew the owner, talked to Trevor Francis at the time. Trevor Francis agreed. Obviously, I didn't didn't pass the medical because of my knee. Uh, but what they said, they'll change my contract around and make it more performance-related. Uh, Um, which I agreed to. But then it just, it wasn't, it didn't work out because I'm used to playing with high caliber, no disrespect to any Birmingham player at that time. I'm not having a gun at anyone, but the style of football, the the level of player that I was used to playing with, uh, the training methods was totally alien to me. Yeah, totally alien to me. It felt like I'd gone back in my career about 10 years to back to in Porterfield times and, uh, you know, just, you know, back then, you know, a lot of running, uh, small sided games, very little tactical information. And I, I just, and on top of it, my knee just wasn't helping me either. So, uh you know, I made I made it for eight months, and then we both decided to cut it because it, it wasn't doing any of us any favors anyway. So that that we had to cut it after eight months. But made some good friends up there uh, who I still speak to now. Um, and it's a shame because it's a club that still seems to be uh, it's It, it could be so big, but yet it never seems to be able to you know, to gather steam and go in the direction that it can go in. But it's a shame. It could be so much more, that club.
0: Now, fellow Chelsea supporters, we have some really exciting news to tell you here. We want to introduce you to our new sponsor to the show, which is Manscaped. Manscaped is a product that I am very delighted that are on board on the Blue Day podcast. It's a product that I have been a fan of for quite some time. I use it on a regular basis. And, Steve, it's bliss. It's a godsend for blokes. I just want to get your thoughts on it first because it's the first time that you've used Manscaped.
2: Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant, Keith. Absolutely brilliant. The the trimmers and the... It's just absolutely top quality. Um, And it's not often I talk about my underpants either, but... um, no, top Not quality, in public. No, absolutely, but <laughs> top, quality, you know, and uh, a grooming uh, thing that that, that that sets you apart from Joe Blogs in the street.
0: Well, their products are precision-engineered tools to suit your family jewels. The Performance Package 4.0, which is the latest one out, is outstanding. The Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, Join over 4 million men worldwide, not just in this country of England, but worldwide who trust Manscaped. And we have an exclusive offer for our listeners of the Blue Day podcast. Go on to manscaped.com, see what you want, go into checkout, type in the code BDP, Blue Day podcast, 20% off and free worldwide shipping. And if my maths is correct, Steve... I weren't that great at maths at school. That counts to about 8 million balls that will be sorted with this kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. Male grooming has become a very important part, hasn't it?
0: Well, absolutely. And it's not, it's not just about your male grooming. You've got stuff like the weed whacker, which, <laughs> and folks, the weed whackers, there's nothing wrong with whacking your weed. It's electric nose and ear. Hair trimmer, which is an absolute godsend. Steve, hear the sound of this purring. It's, a, it's like a Mustang purring at you. Yeah.
2: Well, it's either or ET's come home early.
0: Yeah. No, it's. Um, ET's it's, using Manscaped as well. Yeah.
2: It it's is a top quality. Really, really surprised. And really, you know, as I said, the trimmer is absolutely fantastic.
0: The Lawn Mower, the Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Air air Trimmer, Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, you put deodorant under your armpits, why not on your bollocks, and the Crop Reviver Toner, you get a box of briefs and a travel bag to hold all your goodies in the Performance Package 4.0 bundle. You'll get that 20% off if you type in the code BDP. The Lawnmower trimmer, the future of grooming, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. No cuts, no nicks, nothing. You could use it in the shower, it's waterproof, it's got an LED light, so you can do it in the dark. You don't have to put the light on to disturb anybody. It's fabulous. Features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And Steve, the fact (laughs) the fact that it's skin safe technology which helps reduce nicks snags and tugs in those delicate areas yeah you've also got we could talk about the ball deodorant as well and the crop reviver change the way you approach your hygiene and fellas your balls will thank you for it i guarantee it type in bdp at checkout for 20 percent off anything you want in in store Let them know that you came to Manscaped courtesy of the Blue Day podcast and your bollocks will thank you for it. Isn't that right, Steve?
2: I agree 100%, Keith. (laughs) So,
0: we're going to have fun with Manscaped while on the Blue Day podcast. We are delighted and honoured to have them on the show as part of our main sponsor. We're going to be advertising them throughout the summer and hopefully beyond. So, go on to manscaped.com. Get your performance package 4.0. Get the Weed Whacker. Get the Crop Reviver. Get the Crop Preserver. Your balls will thank you for it. And even your loved ones will thank you for it. The ones you spend the night with, they are going to thank you for it, no doubt.
2: I agree. (laughs) I agree 100%.
0: Well, on that agreement and with my endorsement, fellas, supporters of Chelsea and supporters of the Blue Day podcast, Go on to manscaped.com. Type in the promotional code BDP. You will not be sorry for it. I guarantee it. Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you for it. Now, March 2012, 10 years ago, you returned to Chelsea in an assistant manager's role with Robbie Di Matteo taking over. Andre Villas-Borres was sacked. My first question for this what was going through your mind at this stage when AVB was sacked and there was talk about who's going to come in and I'm gathering it wasn't a hard decision when it came to being asked would you like to come over as assistant manager
1: no 48 hours it was done it was a phone call <laughs> I got a phone call later know uh I was still living in Stratford-upon-Avon at the time uh, from the West Brom days uh, uh, Robbie Rangel, he said, I've just been given the job uh, uh, for interim manager. I said, Oh, congratulations, really pleased for you. And uh, then he said, He said, Lovely boy, do you fancy coming and working with me again? I said, Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> he, uh, and then he said, Okay, he talked me through a couple of things that I needed to know before walking in. And he said, I'll see you at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. So I had to leave, I had to jump in my car at half five in the morning from Stratford upon avon to get down there and uh, meet him, have breakfast, uh, meet the rest of the staff and then uh, then get to work, get to work. And I enjoyed it immensely, enjoyed it immensely.
0: Before I touch on the FA Cup final, I just want to sort of ask in regards to the team what was the team's reaction for you and Robbie coming in
1: i think i think especially with the british boys the british boys were were really happy uh, because familiar face they knew they knew they knew us and they knew what we were about um I, you know I, had a, I think a lot of people know that me and John had a JT uh, had a long relationship. He used to be my boot boy. Uh, I used to look after him, talk, talk about it all the time. So, you know, and then obviously, you know, giving him bits of advice when he was coming through and like then he went on to excel to what he was uh, as a player. Um, and so th- that side of it was good. You know, the foreign contingent, Didn't really know. Maybe knew Robbie maybe more a little bit more than me, but uh, some kind of knew me. Some didn't really know, so it was a bit. "Mm, Who's this guy? Um, uh, And so I just made inroads into the into the team. um, Started talking to the likes of Didier. So because I knew, I knew, I kind of knew Ashley and I knew JT. So I didn't need to. I talked to them obviously, but I didn't really know Lambs. So I had to go go to him right. and he's very, he was very quiet, kept himself to himself, just, just started asking all the players from your point of view as a senior player who's won so many things, uh, knows the game, knows the club, been here a long time, what went wrong? In your own words, what, 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 what went wrong? What do you think needs to change in your opinion so we can have an idea of what's going on in this dressing room, you know? And, you know, they gave their their opinions, some of them very strong opinions, uh, which is fine by me. Um, And we started to fit the puzzle together. What was a shattered puzzle, we started to slowly put it together. And uh, a lot of conversations, individual, group conversations, uh, because you're talking about a group of, like, not just talented footballers. You're talking about a group of intelligent men that know, been in the game for a long time, and know what they want and know what to uh, what to get out. Of. and they, These these boys are proud. They want to win. They're used to winning, and they didn't like what was going on at this present moment in time. So uh, we galvanised the dressing room because, to be fair, it was split at the time. It was split. It wasn't. It wasn't a nice dressing room at the time. But
0: right.
1: Uh, we had to galvanise it and slowly but surely obviously when you win games it makes it easier but you know we won one game we won another game Then slowly the laughter started to come back a little bit of banter here there was a little bit more mixing and intertwining of the dressing room slowly started looking like more of a a team of, of people not a bunch of talented individuals uh, if that makes sense, um, so it started to become a bond, and then the more we started winning, the more tight the unit became, uh, and and you know, and we just we got momentum, and once you got momentum, and once you got talent and intelligence in your team, it's a very hard thing to stop.
0: Well, you say that that season we go on to win the FA Cup, we beat Liverpool. How different was it winning the trophy from a player to then a coach?
1: Uh, Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's always better winning it as as a player because you're running around and you're exerting yourself, and then at the end you win it, and all that effort that you put into it is finally rewarded. uh, as a coach, it's great, but it's a different feeling. It's great, it is great, you know. I remember just—I don't know—it's just different for me. I was just, <laughs> I was like a little bit numb and just like, "Wow!" Now, FA win. Now my FA Cup win as a coach as well. <laughs> I said, <laughs> "Wow!" Okay. <laughs> so no, it was great. It was great. It was, a, it was a different feeling, a little bit more calmer, uh, more reserved. Uh, I, I think I, I, um, I enjoyed the moment a little bit more, shall I say. I wasn't going off celebrating and running around. I was a little bit more reserved and kind of absorbing the, the whole thing, the whole the whole atmosphere and everything. And
0: we'll touch on, because, as you say, 10 years ago, May 19th, 2012. Date forever remembered by Chelsea fans everywhere. Champions League final. I'm assuming you probably know most of that day from start to finish. In terms of the the game itself, what was the conversations like between you and Robbie in terms of the tactics on how to get Chelsea to beat Bayern Munich? And what was the team talk like pre-match?
1: Well, most of it was all about we had extreme injuries, as you well know. Uh, we had David David with hamstring, Gary Cahill with hamstring. Uh, who else was out? Uh, we had to play. Um, we had a two few suspensions back. as well, yeah. Yeah, we had suspensions. We had to play um, Ash and Ryan Bertrand. As two left backs working as wingers, Um, that was one of the tactics that we had to work on, and uh, was um, that we had to go through during the week. uh, Robbie spoke to it to me in the office. I said I don't see anything else that we can do. I, I think that is it. Other than you put a young winger in there. That's had no experience and is just going to melt on the night because we're playing Bayern in their stadium. Uh, Like no, no chance you put a young player in that position. Uh, I said Ryan has been in the Championship. He's played nearly 200 games in the Championship. Unbelievable amount of games in the Championship. He's had Premier League exposure as well. I said we we have to we have to trust him. You know he knows the club. He knows, he knows what he has to do. He's, he can run all day. He's got, he's got leather lungs and uh, I, I believe it's the right thing to do. So he said, OK, we need to work on it during the week, building up, building up to the game. He wanted to talk to the players to, to see if they're comfortable with it. I think the players were comfortable with it. They're all up for it and happy to go with it. Uh, and all week, we had to just keep an eye on David and Gary Cahill, like, to see if they were actually going to make it for the game, mm. and, and like they trained uh, sparingly in tactical situations, but then we rested them to not aggravate their hamstrings, uh, and then we was uh, we was watching them during the. Uh, everyone was just watching both of them in the warm up because we didn't even know if they were going to get through the warm up. That's how close we were. That's what we was on the ra- ra- was right on the razor edge. Uh, I've got, I got to tell you Toddy Kane uh, and a few other boys uh, they, their names are, uh, he's at Wofford at the moment centre mid um, oh, his names just eluded me um, they were warming up in the change rooms because we literally didn't know if they were going to if David or Gary were going to make it through the warm up we had people ready to scrub their names out, put these boys' names on the list, then someone would have had to come off the bench, go on the bench, uh, then we had to plan that maybe Paolo would had to play centre-back uh, on the night and someone else, if any had happened, and then those boys would replace Paolo and the other guy on the bench. So, can you understand? You're going into one of the most important games of the club's history, in, in, in your career as well and that's what you're having to deal with before the game uh, so it, we, we, were, we were we were working in, I, I reckon in the last two months of that, of that uh, season we were working 12 hours a day every day Planning for the next game because the games were just coming, mm. so we had to plan for the, the the league. Then because remember, if we didn't win the Champions League and we didn't, we were struggling to get to fourth, so we didn't know, we didn't yeah. know. So we had to go for everything. We couldn't relax in the league and just uh, you know, and then put everything into the Champions League. So we had to go for all. We had to go for FA Cup. We had to go for the Champions League, and we had to go for the league. So we was we was working twelve hours a day easily. Easily 12 hours a day, like uh, prepping and organising training, uh, everything, strategy for the next game, the game after the next game. It was unbelievable. Great effort by everybody. Unbelievable effort.
0: The game itself Muller scores within 10 minutes to go. Chelsea get a corner. Matter takes it. Tromper with the header talk to us your initial reaction when that goal went in and just a case of the overall concept at that night as you say we're in Bayern's backyard we're 1-0 down we've got injured players playing and they've been playing for 90 minutes what, what was going through your mind at that point
1: when, when Job was scored, I looked up at the sky with a smile on my face and I said, you're really playing with my emotions tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I said, you're really playing with my emotions tonight. I said, what a hitter, what a hitter. When, when sometimes I forget that and, I, and then, you know, you see the reruns, like the power he generated to beat Noah at the near post. Yeah. Do, do you, you have no understanding how, how we, I don't know how we done it to be honest, to generate that amount of power to to get it past Noah at the, at the near post. Like, he's got the biggest reach. He's got unbelievable, massive hands. And he beat him in the near post in the top corner. I was like, unbelievable. Anyway, like, then, uh, uh, you know, you're celebrating and then you're going, oh, that's great. And then you're thinking, oh, my God, we've got to go for another half an hour with these players. And, like, they're, they're, they are hanging. Mata was hanging because... Matters having to overrun because he's compensating for other people that are not usually yeah. he's not used to doing that so he's now <laughs> looking at the bench and we're going oh no you know like and uh, I felt sorry for Paolo because he felt like a yo-yo was going warm up Paolo warm up you're coming on then he'd come back and then he'd go sit down Paolo sit down not yet and then like Paolo go not warm up <laughs> and like Paolo was good as gold he was great he was top uh, he goes listen he goes, I'm not going to sit down. He goes, he came up to me and whispered in my ear, he goes, I'm not going to sit down because I know I know the situation. I'm not angry or nothing. He, he goes, I'm just going to keep warming up. Yeah. Don't call me back until you really need me. He goes, until they've really made their mind up and you're definitely bring someone on because it's not good for me to sit down, get up, sit down, get up. Yeah. And, and I said, you're right, you're right. Go on, go and warm up. So, uh, you know, it was just, you know, there's something about humans Humanity, that under stress, uh, under stress, you see the real human beings, you, you really do. And that night, when a collective comes together, it's a really beautiful feeling. And there's not many people in the world that can feel that. Uh, there's people in the army that will tell you, you know, when they came together and they had to battle through something and all that. It's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It's an amazing feeling that, you know, and then when he went to penalties, I
0: thought, oh, here we go. Uh, Just a quick question on that. What was said before the penalty shootouts began? Because when I was watching it sort of after the fact, it was on ITV at the time, and they were showing clips of Di Matteo with with his little notepad talking to certain players. What was you doing at at that stage?
1: Just, look, I'm just saying, look... Calm down, pick your spot, don't change your mind. Right. What will be will be the moment you start running up and changing your mind, you're you're in trouble. So whatever you pick in your head, when you do that long walk to the to the penalty spot, know what you're doing, confirm it, and just do it. And it's all about your execution, nothing else and uh, everyone was like nodding and like just said get a rub get whatever you do get a rub because your legs be moving bitch you know get get a rub and like the, just get in the medical team get on get them into get into them and then we just galvanised everyone so Robbie could have a chat with her he said look we've come this far you know the basic you know we're all together you know we lose to- we win together we lose together we we." We, but we're not going to lose today. We're not going to lose today. Have confidence. Take your penalty. Be uh, be confident. And uh, everyone was up for it. The funny thing was, <laughs> JT started talking to me. He was next to me, and I was so concentrated on the game. And like JT was talking to me, and then I turned around and I like, went, "Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right." Bro. Like one of the players were going up. He goes, "Ed, I think he's going to miss it. I've got a feeling he's going to miss it." One of the Bayern players, and I went. You know what? I got a funny feel. I, I I didn't want to say it, but I got a funny feeling. And then I was looking, and then I, I turned back, and I went, "Are you in kit? He <laughs> had put his kit on." <laughs> I went, "Where did you get changed?" <laughs> so we're sitting there. It's so surreal. And then like we're standing there all together with our arms around each other, and he missed, and like. We were all pumped, you know what I mean? And then, like, I remember Ash stepping up. And Ashley Cole's penalty was unbelievable, by the way. Yeah. He buried it right in the corner. It was unbelievable. <laughs> what a penalty. And uh, I think, you know, the boys just kept their nerve all night. The, the boys just kept their nerve all night. And it was just unbelievable. And when, Well, Schweinsteiger
0: when... missed. Yeah. And then it was Drogba's turn. And it was just a case of some people were thinking... Is he gonna? You know, is this gonna be a repeat of two thousand and eight? Is this gonna? Yeah. Is this gonna go in? It's got to go in. He steps up, scores it. He runs straight to Petr Cech. They're they're embracing. What was the first thing you did after that? I started laughing. I started <laughs> laughing. I
1: was laughing. I was laughing. I was like, oh, I can't believe it. We just won the Champions League. Not <laughs> just won the Champions League, but we won it in your backyard. We've come to your backyard and won it in your backyard. I said, only Chelsea can do that. <laughs> only Chelsea can do that. And I just went, all those years at this club, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And uh, I just started laughing. And then we just started embracing each other. And just, that was it. The celebration just started. The hugging, the emotion. I remember I put a check on the floor and... Uh, Ran up to him and grabbed him and he just looked at me and he goes, If we had to play for one more second, I couldn't go any further. He said, I'm mentally exhausted. He goes, I I can't think. I can't. He goes, I'm gone. I am so gone. And I said, All right, stay on the floor. <laughs> stay on the floor, I'm like down, you deserve it. I went off and celebrated with someone else. But uh that shows you the amount of effort, you know, when a, when a goalkeeper tells you he can't go no more because he's, his powers of concentration to be... Because, he you know, he pulled off some great saves on that night, you know, to keep us in, you know, against Barcelona. He pulled off some great saves to keep us in the tight. He pulled off some great saves, and I think that's not talked enough about, you know. I, I, I'm a big... I also said on the, on the night... I thought Obi Mikel was the man of the match. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of, a lot a lot of people underrated what he had done that night. He was immense on that night. Immense. He stopped so many counter attacks. Started so many, uh, you know, stop a counter attack and got us back playing on the offensive. It was immense. He was immense that night. I, I, it's like he grew up that night, and he was he stood tall and he wasn't the baby of the group no more. He was yeah. like the man. Yeah. He was the man. He was one of the men, not yeah. the baby in the group no more. Uh, it was it was fantastic and uh, uh, it was a great, it was an honour, an absolute pleasure like that night and uh, I think it will be spoke. I, you know, even though we won the Champions League again and uh, the boys done fantastic on that, that night as well but I think that this night was going to be irreplaceable because it's how we won it. Yeah. It's how we won it. The and way the we went to Barcelona. To Napoli. Barcelona. Napoli. All the build-up all the way to it. Just the emotions that all the Chelsea fans and everyone associated with Chelsea went through on that journey through, it can't be replicated. It can't be replicated. And that's why it's going to be forever remembered in the Chelsea hearts. Always, in my opinion.
0: Just a few more questions before we wrap this up and what has, for me, been one of the most fascinating interviews we've done on the podcast. So, Eddie, thank you for this. After that season, we would go on as European champions. We'd be playing Juventus in the group stage. We drew 2-2 at Stamford Bridge after Oscar scored some outstanding goals. I was there that night at the Matthew Arden, But we lost to them. And it was very difficult for us to qualify out of the Champions League group stage. After that game, Di Matteo was sacked. Mm. Was there an inkling beforehand leading up to that game in Turin that there was a change on the cards for the coach? And what was your reaction to the dismissal? Uh,
1: yeah, the, the, I, I could feel that the pressure was coming. Uh, I could feel that the pressure was coming. Um you know, at the end of the day, I think, I don't know if you would ever met it, but I think Roman were only thought that Robbie was going to be interim manager and he was going to bring someone else in at the end of the season and never, ever thought that we was going to go on and win the Champions League and the FA Cup in that season. So, you know, he gave him his chance. He gave him his chance and gave him a new contract, he gave me a new contract as well. Uh, to let to see how it went, and obviously it didn't go uh, according to plan, and, uh, uh, and it became more and more difficult. And it looks you could see the writing was on the wall, especially leading into that game. There was, you know, uh, he dropped Fernando Torres, which was politically a strong a strong move. And uh, uh, if you know, if you make that move, if it doesn't work, you know that you kind of know what's going to come next. So, uh, you know, after the game, we knew it was coming, to be honest with you. Um, but I have to say a big thank you to Michael uh, Emanella, who uh, who kind of stuck up for me uh, and said that I deserved to stay in the club because uh, he was really pleased in what he had seen and how I uh, operated with the players and... Uh, my beliefs and fundamentals and everything. And so it, I have to thank him a lot for keeping me at the club, you know. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Rafael Benitez was worried about my relationship with uh, Robbie. You know, everyone knows I played with Robbie. I've been the assistant manager to him. He said he'd done, he had, he had, He'd been in a similar situation before, and he allowed the guy to come onto the coaching staff, and that guy killed him behind his back. And he was worried that I was going to do the same thing. So uh, that's when uh, Michael said, "Look, go on the loan process, run the loan process for me, build it the way that you want to build it. You know, we need to develop it and build it for the young players and everything." Go and operate and do it. It's all yours. Go and do, go and design it, build it, and uh, and I'll support you. Um, and, and that's what I had to do from there on in.
0: And you returned as assistant manager alongside Gus Heat, Gus Hiddink, excuse me, in 2015. What was Gus like to work with, and what was the difference with that particular team? And why do you think Chelsea had such an inconsistent season? considering they were league champions the season before
1: I think there was a change of uh, ideology I think uh, Chelsea wanted to bring in you know younger new kind of play you know Chelsea had a kind of Jose Mourinho fit everyone was big strong powerful uh, um, 28 29 kind of players. Um, Ready-made to go and win trophies. Um, Chelsea wanted to kind of change that. Uh, wanted to go with a younger, younger player, 23, 24, uh, as well as having those seniors. So it was a little bit of a mix. And then you know that's when the start of uh, Hazard started coming in, and all you know them kind of players. Uh, Baba Rahman came in at left back and things like that. So it was a new generation, and they were, and then you got the old generation that were so used to a different style, and the new generation trying to adapt to, and it wasn't, it was difficult. It was difficult. Um, And I don't think we had the right manager to deal with those circumstances. You needed a manager that knew how to develop, but you knew a manager that also knew how to uh win trophies. We needed that. Uh, Gus Gus is Gus. He knows he knows he he's experienced. Uh he knows what he's doing. Um uh yeah, he, he came in and, and steadied the ship basically he he just steadied the ship and, and done the job that he was needed to do uh before we went on to the next season. So well, I enjoyed it with Gus. Gus is a funny guy. He made me laugh. He did make me laugh. But you know, sometimes he would come out with little pearls of wisdom. You know that you you take you take with you. You know, little pearls of wisdom. You know, he's not. He wasn't coaching no more. He, you know, obviously he was struggling to stay on his feet like for long periods of time. Um, so he would observe from the outside, while Steve and myself would uh, coach. Um, so it was it, it, it was different. It was a different style of coaching that I'm used to, to be honest with you.
0: Now, fast forward to February 2020, you left Chelsea permanently to join Trabzonspor. on uh-huh. Now there are room. There were rumors flying around, sort of after the fact that you perhaps maybe had a falling-out disagreement with Frank Lampard, who just came in as the manager. Is this true? Was there any sort of issues between you and Frank when Frank came in? Or was it just more of a case of just wanting a new challenge?
1: A bit of both, to be honest with you. I didn't have a falling-out with him. I didn't have a falling-out with him. um, Just... It's just a feeling that, you know, I knew he wanted to go his way and have his team around him that he's used to. Uh, you know, the club wanted me to support him because the, the the coaching staff was quite young that he wanted to go with. Uh, coaching staff was young and inexperienced. So... Marina and quite a lot of the senior members of uh, Chelsea wanted me to go in as the seniors, you know, to support him and help him. But you could see quite early on that he wanted to go in his own direction and he wanted it to go that way. So it was getting more and more difficult, you know, to, to work in those circumstances, you know. Uh, um, so when the opportunity of Trabzon came, um uh, uh, I listened to the to the president of the club, and uh, he, he sold the sold the club to me. You know, because I was quite apprehensive at first, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, he sold the club to me, and uh, his, the club had changed a lot since I knew it from uh, when Marco Marin had gone there on loan. Um, so there 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 was massive changes for uh, for the club. Then I went there, and I enjoyed it. It's a very difficult club mate, very difficult <laughs> club, the fans are absolutely crazy, um, very difficult club to manage at um, but I really enjoyed it, I, I, I love the challenge, I love the challenge. Um, um, and Got interim manager at the end of the season with the last two games, uh, president says we need to win both of the games, which we did. We won the cup final, uh, so I won the cup over there, uh, over here, should I say, um, and uh, we came second in the league, um, so it was it was nice half season for me, I enjoyed it, and uh, then I got taken on as the manager next season, which wasn't so enjoyable because the way Turkey do, they, they do things is, is totally alien to what I know. So uh, it, was, uh, very, it was very difficult doing the transfers. Very difficult. Uh, the transfer policy that they had and how they operated was totally different to what we done, uh, how we how we worked. So how we work in Europe. So um, uh, yeah, difficult. Lasted seven games, and then uh, you know, like didn't, didn't, that was the end of that, but. Enjoyed my time. I enjoyed my time in Trabzon. The fans are nuts. Uh, they just won the league this season. Uh, and they're making sure the whole of Turkey know that they've won the league. There's Trabzon flags everywhere. I mean, I'm in Istanbul. There's Trabzon flags everywhere. On the bridge. Everywhere. Or out Hanging outside uh, buildings. They're, they're having parties everywhere. So they're making sure everybody knows they've won the league.
0: Final question from me, Eddie. How do you look back on your time at Chelsea, both as a player and as a coach, working behind the, the scenes?
1: You know, uh, there's not many people that can turn around and say that they've had the career that I've had. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm truly honoured. Um, and Chelsea given me the platform not only to be the player and coach that I've become, but to become, you know, they're partly to become the man that I became, you know? So don't get me wrong. My mum was the main, for me, my mum was the main person that established me as growing up. But, you know, Chelsea was another bolt on to helping me grow up as well as school and, you know, different individuals that helped me, Grow into a decent. Well, I hope people think I'm a decent man. Uh, into a decent man, uh, and and, and uh, So, I'm just nothing but grateful. You know, I'm, I'm grateful. I've had a great career. Uh, unfortunately, you know, there's some regrets, and there's always going to be regrets. You know, I, you know, I f- I finished my career too short at Chelsea. You know, I have been struggling for my knee. People don't realise I was struggling for my with my knee from twenty one to twenty seven. So the six years of pain I went through. Um but I would go through that pain again anytime. Uh because I was do I was at a club that I loved that I grew up at, and I was doing the thing that I loved most in the world and playing football. So for me, uh it was great the people I've met at the club as a as a player as a coach I still got relationships with them now uh you know it feels like family when I'm ringing you know when I ring back at Chelsea now and you know when I talk to people you know secretaries uh, coaches sports scientists you know it's like it's like your family member almost you know uh that's how, how close it is, you know, I've been there so many years and uh, I still, you know, I have to kick myself now because now I'm at Bachelorette here like doing a technical, Bachelorette sport, like doing the technical director role. And I was giving a speech the other day to some students and I was talking about my time at Chelsea and I, I started saying... Our mentality. We. I was talking like that, like I'm still at Chelsea, and I had to, I had to catch myself halfway through, and I went, sorry, sorry, bad habit, uh, bad habit, <laughs> uh, because I still talk like that. We are this, you know. I don't, don't talk like they. This is this. This is us. This is what we do, you know. So difficult habit to get out of, um, but. You understand my feelings about the club, you know. You know, it's, it's very difficult to turn down Chelsea for, for a person like me. It's very difficult to turn down Chelsea. If uh, Chelsea turned me to come back and be assistant or manager or technical director, I'll be there in a the heartbeat. I'll be there in a the heartbeat, you know. I'll, just, I'll be on the next plane out of Turkey. I'll, I'll be there in a the heartbeat. But that's because it's my second home. And I walk in there and within hours I I'll feel I'll, I'll have my feet on the desk and having banter with people and uh, ready to get going, you know, and like, come on, let's get on the pitches, let's start working and, you know, let's get going. Because I keep telling everybody, I said, you in Turkey don't understand. I said, I worked at Cobham for many, many, many years and I said, if you've ever been to Cobham, it's like the candy land of football for the training ground. I said, it's bigger than some villages, the, the training ground. It's actually bigger than some people's village. So that's how unbelievable it is, you know? And I said, so, look, it's it's home from home for me. Uh... uh you know, people say, oh, you support Chelsea. And I say, no, I don't support Chelsea. I am not a, I am not a supporter of Chelsea. You might think that's, that sounds mad. But I said, Chelsea's my second home. I don't support Chelsea, but it's my second home. It's, I love Chelsea because what it's done for me, I, I look at Chelsea in a different way. You know, people support it and they love Chelsea that way. Great for them. Great. But me, it's... It's where I was, I was educated. It was where I, I had to learn to become a man. It's where I had to learn to become a coach, how I learned to become a footballer. You know, I learned so much at Chelsea, you know, it's my second home, you know. So you, you look at it, I look at it in different eyes, you know, uh, when I look at Chelsea and, uh, you know, I love the club, I will always love the club. I will always stick up for the club as much as I can, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I hope with the new takeover that they get the right person that has the right mentality and understands the mentality of the Chelsea faithful to understand that they have to take the club on in the right direction, you know, because uh, I don't think they need to feel the sting of Chelsea, Chelsea fans if they go in a different direction because um, Chelsea have been blessed and spoilt in a way. many 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 years now and uh you know if i was a new owner taking over chelsea i would feel excited but i would feel the pressure as well because i know i've got big boots to fill uh and what roman's done regardless of what Everyone feels about what's happening with Russia and Ukraine. What Roman forget I'm not saying forget about it, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's not shouldn't happen and all that things. It shouldn't, you know. But what Roman done, not just for Chelsea Football Club, but for the Premier League, because you've got to remember he was the first big tycoon to come in yeah. and really plunder money into a football club and take it to and elevate a club to the standards that it got to. And then everyone followed suit afterwards. And that's why the Premier League took another jump. So remember, at the beginning, we were talking about the Premier League coming in, uh, Sky Sports coming in. And all of a sudden, English football took a leap and went in a a, a leap. Then Roman comes in and takes the club into another direction. Everyone chases that that dream. And all of a sudden, the Premier League takes another leap. And now, if you look at the Premier League, it's been the best league for, what, five, six, seven years in the world, regardless. And we, we look at the Champions League final now and you, you're you know, almost guaranteed an English club is going to be in a semi-final nearly every year. That's how far it's come. That's down to Roman. That's down to the Premier League. That's down to Sky Sports. That's down to Roman. Being brave coming in, having an idea, a philosophy to change things, to move things in a different direction uh, and successfully doing it. And uh, for what he's done at Chelsea, I take my hat off to
0: him. Eddie, it's been an honour to have you on the podcast. Honestly, as a Chelsea fan, it's been fabulous listening to your stories and listening to your insight. Good luck with the role at Istanbul. I wish you well with it. And hopefully one day we'll see you back at the bridge quite soon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Many thanks. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Keith.